From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much-needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. That's mintmobile.com slash switch. Think you know diamonds? Probably not as much as you think. Our engagement ring, the gift from a partner, or the jewelry we buy to celebrate a win sparks a lot of joy. But did you know that Stone is connected to 10 million people around the world? From Canada to Africa to Australia. The natural diamond industry provides healthcare and more to remote communities. Each natural diamond promises a more sparkling future for generations to come. Discover so many more natural diamond truths at naturaldiamonds.com slash thank you. Danny. Hello. Charlie. Hello. How do you two know each other? Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so me and you, John, went to a Hublot event and then we got invited to our friend's flat warming party. So we were quite drunk. We were we were listening to a lot of rogue songs in the Uber on the way back. Ocean Colour Seed. <laughs> Ocean Colour Seed. But we kind of went through all the genres and I remember that journey being quite like, wow, I didn't know you were into that. Like, oh my God, we kind of found It was a bonding it. moment. It was. But this isn't how we know each other. <laughs> but but then we turned up to, to Corey's house party. Flat warming, sorry. It wasn't a house party, but it was definitely pretty fucking wild and Charlie was there and I remember being on the balcony with you chatting shite for a good 45 minutes to an hour at least or something like that um, so we thought we'd do it again here so we thought we'd do it again here <laughs> sounds great I mean hopefully I won't be as drunk this time but <laughs> yeah. you never know I mean you did say to Jordan nice to meet you and then Jordan's like we actually met because I found on my notes your email address at 2am <laughs> I'm a hustler, what from, can I say? From that night. Is this the second time we met then? Yes, because um, we were supposed to go to a couple of events which we did and then I had that random illness which basically dragged Oh my God, like yeah, months. you did. So yeah. So And then we've had Long Overdue Pint as well. This is the second official time of meeting. This is it. So yeah, this you said uh, some events. You are the MD of Heckles. Correct, yeah. What is Heckles? Do you know what? I always dread this question because I think we do so much, it's quite hard to summarise. Um, I think we're officially called Amplifiers of the Natural World. Um, and I think that's quite a good summary because we do beauty, we do candles, we do fragrance. And everything which we do, I think we always want to do more. So our packaging might grow into flowers or it's ocean compostable. Or there's sort of a, a myriad of different complications around what we do. So I always dread the question because actually, if you cook it down, we are, are just a skincare company that is an ocean-based seaweed skincare company. But because we do so much, because we hand harvest the seaweed Margate because we create edible cups which you can eat at festival. There's so much in the world, it's really hard to summarise, but yeah, that's a, a brief one, I think. And what's the thing that you've, not just released, it's the, the cycle. I was quite intrigued in that. You see we'd harvesting like an electric bicycle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? So we, um back in the day... So and what was it beforehand? Like, how <laughs> It was a shopping trolley which we'd nicked from uh, the Aldi down the road. <laughs> so we used to go down to the beach, harvest the seaweed, load it up in these sort of big black buckets, uh, and then we'd like wheel it up the hill and I think it got to the stage in which obviously harvesting the seaweed is really temperamental so we have to work around tide times we have to work around oh, southern water who are obviously the big polluters of the ocean who just flood the sea with shit every every three months so to, to get the right amount of seaweed to harvest you basically have like a finite window and so we were up and down this this little pathway in Margate every sort of couple of hours with the shopping trolley and we were like right we're going to get this big old e-bike <laughs> we're going to call it Eve and we're going to name her as a she and Eve's going to drive down there and then we're going to load it up and she sort of helps us get up 
uh, <laughs> up the hill. So up it is. Yeah, I was kind of wondering. So it is. It's basically an electric wheelbarrow. Electric wheelbarrow. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of is that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, I want to get more into heckles. I love the brand. I use it. Danny loves the brand because they give him facials and massages. Uh, <laughs> but that isn't where you've always been. You were working for the man. That's how you started out here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was. Yeah. <laughs> you were you were working with, unbeknownst to you, Danny's dad. <laughs> yes. So you worked at PwC. Correct. Yeah. Price Waterhouse Cooper. Correct. So what were you doing there? That's so rogue. I mean, I know exactly what you were doing there. I have it in front of me. <laughs> what were you doing there? Uh, so I was actually an auditor. Um, it was a very sort of early career decision, which wasn't necessarily made by me, but it was one where you had to have like a, a vocational degree because everybody everybody wanted to do marketing or English. Um, and so a decision was made that I was going to be an accountant. So yeah, I went to uni, did um, an accounting and finance degree, and then joined PwC and became a qualified accountant. And yeah, I was sort of looking back over my top Spotify hits every year or whatever, and you could go back to those days. And I really didn't enjoy it. It was it was a means to an end to learn how to run a business, essentially, in hindsight. And yeah, I could look back and the top song on this trip, so like as an auditor, you basically had to go into these other companies and you used to basically arrive with a laptop and a briefcase and ask them those questions. Of course they fucking hated you. So you just had this really miserable time in January and you were always placed in some like rogue town. So I was in Slough of all places. Oh. I knew it was going to be Slough. <laughs> it was Slough, was going to be Slough. <laughs> all auditors end up in Slough. Staying in this like shit old hotel and the room was slanted so you'd sleep on one side and you'd wake up on the other side of the bed and it was one of those things like a cupboard as a bathroom and I used to Charles walk Press. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I used to walk from the hotel to the auditor um, company and I would listen to Shawshank Redemption Prison March song <laughs> <laughs> So I used to go in there, like mind preconceived of being like, fucking hell, not another day here. So yeah, my start in life, it was doing accounting, auditing, being one of those miserable guys who just turns up, asks questions, and yeah. gets resoundingly shut down. What were the outfits saying? Was this strictly really suits? bad? But you're, you're, you're a fashion fan. Now I'm a fashion fan. If you look back in the day, I'd, I'd have like an M&S suit with some M&S shoes. <laughs> I, I just, I wasn't that fussed about spending all my money that I earned on suits because I was like, I don't really enjoy the job, but I can, can spend that in my own personal life. See, I used to go to M&S at like back to school sale and get like three, <laughs> three for two on the suits and sort of match them together. I was sort of very much like a Ralph Lauren kind of guy on a, on a Friday. But other than that, it was on a Friday. On, suits. on a Friday, so yeah. dressed down Friday. Dressed down Friday. Friday. So, so how did that look? Was it was it chinos? It's like so it's just like I'm just gonna throw on a, <laughs> a wild color jumper with my M&S suit. So my sister went to she went to the states one time and just picked up a load of like Outlook Ralph Lauren shirts. So they just had them in like every single color, and then I just paired them with like top mountain skinny jeans. So I sort of rock up like barely able to do the top button up but as you used to have that like auditor neckline and we just eat and drink the whole time so <laughs> wasn't, wasn't much definition so I just sort of squeezed myself into a shirt every Friday squeezed myself into into skinny jeans and sort of strutting there being like yeah I'm the man which so, yeah hindsight said a resounding no when you decided to leave there and you were in your top man skinny jeans <laughs> did you wear them to go and pitch yourself to become the CEO of the idle man <laughs> so I actually had a bit of a deviation there so I left to set up my own company which is like a data analytics company is it Odie? yeah exactly <laughs> again another one which you can't, can't pronounce it's pronounced Edie Edie why on earth I, I chose to do it um, or pick that name even and the idea was it would try and introduce you to different bars and restaurants in London all built off of probability um, so I, at the time I really liked maths I still, I, I still really enjoy maths and so it was all essentially on the law of chance and probability and so it was like okay so you can go to a bar over here and then there's 80% chance that people who have also had a drink in that bar go to this bar. So you invented an 
algorithm. <laughs> Inventing the, I oh. mean, at the time, it wasn't necessarily. It was basically just in, in an Excel and me being like, that seems about right. Um, and doing a sort of customer journey that way. And then that got me onto this, like, it was called the New Entrepreneurs Foundation, which was essentially they picked the most aspiring entrepreneurs in the UK and sort of advanced them on a leadership program, which was an interesting group of people, but a very good mission. It sort of taught me a lot about, like, self-branding, because I think in this sort of entrepreneurial world, there's a lot of people who can brand themselves really, really well. Yeah. Um, and I sort of arrive and be like, oh, you know, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> who would you say does it really well? Is there any, like public figures? That... Public figures, yeah. I think if you look at a lot of these sort of entrepreneurs, there's there's also, I think, again, there's a lot of sort of narcissism that's sort of leaning behind a lot of their character traits, but they just have a personal brand and you walk in and they sort of know their shit. They know what they're talking about. And I find it all horribly fake, but I think to a lot of people, they're really attracted to this personal brand and, and everything yeah. else. So I think in the in the beauty world, there's a number of people who, who brand really well. And I think also like, like on LinkedIn, I think if you look at the people who are now trying to pivot themselves as this sort of influencer type stars. You know? <laughs> I go through and block half of them. Every, every day there's someone explaining how they talked to a dog on the street and it turned out it was their influ- uh, interview. Oh, and God, so like, Shut up. Matt, Matt, Matt loves uh, those. Every day he's come back, I've read this thing on LinkedIn. It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, the LinkedIn influencer is probably my favourite influencer in fairness. Oh my it's God. It's absolutely crazy. It's always somebody why it's an HR that all of a sudden has like 100,000 followers and it's like, what the fuck did you do to get it? Oh my God. <laughs> You won't want to know. So you're part of the foundation. Yeah. They're fast tracking your career. Mm-hmm. And then you decide, ED, I can't pronounce it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm ditching it. I'm going to go work for someone else. Yeah. So so how it works on this incubator is they would place you at like a, a fast growth startup to learn how to run a business or, or how to do fundraise. So I was placed in as operations manager uh, at a menswear company called The Idleman, which it was almost like a, a career incubator for loads of, of really interesting people. And so the people that I worked around are now like had a menswear at Cos, they work at Browns. And so it had a really good trajectory of people inside it was almost a, a bit of a masterclass with um sort of how not to run that fast growth startup <laughs> i think which i think is always really good to learn and i think there were a lot of things there so i think from my i sort of walked in and it, it was like okay we have no money we need to do a fundraise um and we need to sort of turbocharge our strategy which obviously at the time i was like oh well, i'm an accountant i've, I've run a pnl before <laughs> and then you walk in there and it's like okay the building is on fire the fire truck is also on fire they're trying to put out the fire um, try, try and build a plan to get some money and so I would sort of get there and I'd be like, fucking hell, this is quite a big, big responsibility. Yeah. And yeah, so I sort of applied my strategic brain and then the sort of the algorithm from ED to, to essentially predict what clothes men wanted to buy at certain times of the day. And so you could see, okay, so if a guy buys, Sick. kind of weird at the same time, but it was like if a guy buys a North Face puffer, puffer jacket, 60% of, of, the, of the, the people who also buy that will then buy a Carhartt t-shirt. Of the people who buy the Carhartt t-shirt, 20% will then buy a pair of Timberlands. And so it's trying to introduce the next product on that customer journey to a customer before they thought about buying it. Fucking hell. And this shop was based in Farringdon, one Correct. road away from us. Oh, oh. actually, on Leather Lane. So yeah, yeah, we were on the Agent Frocateur and Sainsbury's. Okay. We were down that road. No way. Yeah, for three, four years. And did you ever go in? When we first joined the business at Kyra, you know, it was quite a young, fun, lots of partying and drinking. So there was a lots of need for like, oh, I need to go buy a new t-shirt because this one stinks because I've been out all night. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, just go and buy some t-shirts, look around, go buy some food, take some hot smelly food into the Idle Man, get dirty looks and leave. <laughs> well, I, I always thought the Idle Man was near me. I thought it was Yorkshire. Because I've always kind of none. <laughs> was it a publication as well? So we had a manual. It was called the, so a really big part of like traffic building to get people onto the site. It was this sort of SEO built manual of like 100 ways to wear a t-shirt which you would be shocked at the amount of people that are googling like haircuts to get and so we basically just yeah. built this seo based manual to get people on onto the site and so yeah it was quite
quite a, a big publication. Because it was an independent store, I'm guessing, wasn't it? So yeah, we had independent store. It was more like a guide store. The idea is you could have a browser in there and then order it online, which didn't necessarily work because everyone yeah. stuff in there. So this part of your life, you're getting more into buying these clothes as well. Mm. And at what point is like skincare coming into it? That's a good question, I think. Um, I actually, as a kid, I worked at Lush. So I'm from a town called Poole, um, which is where the original Lush is from. Um, oh. So I, I was a bit of a kid, like, I want to go out and my own money. Um, so I worked at uh, Lush, like, customer care on the weekends and school holidays. So I'd always sort of been immersed in that world. But again, like I always say, you can't connect the dots until you look back. And so I hadn't really thought about this until the other day. I was like, oh, you know what? This has actually been in my uh, blood for quite a long time. <laughs> um, but it was more, I think it was at the time, I think I, I was sort of looking at myself and being a little bit like, God, I just have cr created this like monster that's able to get people to buy more clothes, which they need <laughs> at a time when, you know, it was a fast fashion boom. And I was just a bit like, Christ, this is all a bit, bit messed up. And I think by pure chance at the same time, there was an inward search at Heckles to find an MD, which I would have been like the most left field candidate ever. And I think there's probably a story of that in itself. And they sort of approached me and I was like, oh, you know what? This is good. This is right. So we'd actually sold the brand and it was a really good seller on the Idol Man. It just had such an amazingly rich story that as soon as you get involved in the world, it's like, God, there's so much happening in here. So yeah, I, I don't think I'd, I'd ever meant to end up there, but now I look back, it's sort of a natural kind of pathway. How long ago was this then? 2019. Oh wow, because yeah. I've been buying Heckles products for must be 10 years now. Yeah. Because I used to have the, the first thing I started off with was the Paolo Santo wood, I'm pretty sure. The apple. Oh, the burning wood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So apple that was wood. it. Yeah, the apple wood. I used to have that and then I think I got the soap. Nice. So it was like the black charcoal. It was really like gritty soap. Massive as well. I used to it cut might it in have been half. one which we did with Grenson, I think. I think that I think was it a was. collab which we did, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. So I had those in prior in um, like an independent store up in Bridlington. Nice. So I used to buy it then, and now obviously it's had like the full 360, kind of like the rebrand, rebirth, which we'll obviously touch on later on. But what were you saying was the first thing you got as well? That's why yours was something really rogue-like. Because my original thing was it wasn't like skincare as we <laughs> yeah. know it. Yeah. It was very I much like luxury, quite homeware, but what would you call it? Like, Well, um, I think, no, I think the first thing I got was probably like a bar of soap. And it was definitely the story. I think, you know, we were working in Menzo at the time. So it was like, we were very much into that sort of storytelling. The idea of it being from the UK and from Wildgate, and you could see that process happening yeah. was like interesting to us it felt naturally it felt premium as well like because i think there is obviously the massive connection between fashion and luxury lifestyle i guess you call it mm. lifestyle homework so like obviously you walk in someone's house you dress nice they've probably got like a good hunter or yeah. like a posh candle and stuff yeah. it does all go hand in hand so i think yeah it's the marketing was really good, like the branding was always really good. And I think obviously the products worked really well. Yeah, I want to hear a lot more about Heckles and actually yeah. go into a bit of product and things like that. Mm -hmm. So we never really touched on what you were actually wearing. We're a fashion podcast. Other than suits and that, what were you wearing? I've always been, I'm not sure if you've seen the White Lotus and you know the sort of assistant. Still not yet. Oh, I should watch it. There's been loads of sort of cover about this sort of like, it's a Gen Z assistant and she wears whatever she wants to and doesn't necessarily have a very good style. I think that was always probably me. I was a, a sort of attracted to new shiny things. <laughs> I was very inconsistent in my style so one day I'd be like in a tracksuit and being like yeah with the boys yeah <laughs> and then the next day I'd be like in a pair of red chinos and brogues and oh, so I think, oh <laughs> good lord so I think inconsistency probably defines my fashion I'm I'm definitely more at one with how I dress now but yeah. I mean, if you look back I'd, I'd always say like I'm a chameleon and I think I, I was I was quite like boy band um, yeah in a way was it very much like you weren't going out to look for specific stuff you were kind of like what does top man have right now yeah top man and T 
TK Maxx, or if I went traveling, I, I'd have like a fake Burberry Mac made in, <laughs> in, in Vietnam and then come back and sort of squeeze myself in that. I was probably a fashion victim. Um, and I think I was just massively inconsistent. And so I think I'd just wear whatever seemed kind of cool at the time. Yeah, um, I And just like, hope for the best that it landed. Well, what would you say was the worst outfit you've worn or worst trend you've been part of? I think it was the Red Chino Brigade. I think that, I look back at Red Chino's and Brogue sounds awful. It was absolutely awful. I, yeah. I mean, if you go on my Facebook, it's like, a, it's, it's almost criminal. It's like a litany of different like trends and fads that I've fallen into. What's on the upper half? Rihanna yeah. t-shirt? Do you know? Oh yeah, I had I had the loud Rihanna t-shirt <laughs> from Top Man. Yeah, naturally. And then, oh God, I'm just trying to think what else was on there. It was basically like Top Man. And then I found like, <clears> a, I don't know, like I saw like Cara Delevingne was wearing a cool t-shirt called like Outsiders Apparel. And then I bought like 10 of them. Um, <laughs> and then was like wearing that. It, it was always a bit rogue. Yeah. Um, I've always kind of liked Stussy. I think that's always been like in my wardrobe. Now I wear it better to when I was sort of like the auditor coming in. Stussy, <laughs> Stussy t-shirt. So I feel, it feels a little bit more authentic now. But yeah, I think I've just had this very sporadic growth spurt of different fashion brands and then I'll just move on and just always been inconsistent. Inconsistent also kind of describes me as well because I was from a small town. Our high street consisted of pretty much nothing. So we had to go to Holland. It was Topman River Island and you yep. couldn't really... Obviously you could buy stuff online but that's not the fun of it. So I was the same. I was like very much... You'd kind of unlock new parts of Top Man the older you got. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like, oh yeah, I'll go for like the joggers and the three button tops. The carrot trousers, like, whatever they're called. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, now like I've got a job. I can maybe afford like the proper denim or yeah. like maybe this, that, and the other. It feels really weird thinking that kids now don't have Top Man. That yeah. feels so bizarre because I feel like for me, that was kind of my intro into fashion. Right? I would agree. Like, freshly squeezed and then. Do you know what's really good about like our generation versus say like you say kids now is that all of our most embarrassing fits are on Facebook. And no one goes yes. on Facebook. Whereas for you, yeah. it's all documented on Instagram that, where we all still live. Mine's not too bad. Mine was the end of Facebook. And I had an account that I deleted and restarted in like 2013, which wasn't too... No, it'd be like that. But if you find it from like 2007, that's when you're like, oh shit, yeah. this is... It's easy to archive though on Instagram. Like I, I post so rarely that if there's a bad... I mean, if you scroll back, there's only like pictures of, of like a dog or whatever. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that's been archived just to make it look more consistent. A bit curated now. Yeah, exactly. I wish I could go back and see my old wardrobe. You'd love it. <laughs> I'm glad that I don't have to see it, mate. I think my favourite was a Top Man t-shirt. It was navy with a pink rocking chair saying, I rock. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I picked some of the times. We're going to move in to talking about the number four coolest brand in the world. The finalist of the Fast Company's world-changing ideas. Wallpaper Magazine's Grooming Product of the Year. And, as GQ would say, is Heckles shaping the future of sustainable retail. We're going to talk about all those things. So, Heckles, you get the job. What does an MD do? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I still struggle to know what I do. Um... I think it's sort of shifted now. I think it's when I first joined it was trying to make things make sense because I think that we do and it's built into the history of the brand. We do so much. It's always quite hard to commercialise it and actually make sense like explaining that's why we have a sauna on the beach or explaining... you got a sauna, a sauna on the beach? Yeah, we've got a sauna on the beach in Margate. Oh my God. Trip to Margate, Jods. It's on. Yeah, come on down. It's sick. So yeah, I think it's more, you put out fires and you try and strategize and you try and create things that make sense, I think was early days. Now I say I probably start most of the fires and it's just sort of like <laughs> doing it that way. And so, then Charlotte puts them out. Charlotte puts them out, yeah. Charlotte <laughs> runs around after me. <laughs> 
So what are the outfits saying now at Heckles? Outfits, I pretty much wear all black. I'm, I'm kind of consistent in that. I think I tried to, to go for like the dopamine dressing that happened after lockdown and, and kind of look like a sack of potatoes. So I've gone back <laughs> to sort of slimming black. And yeah, I just tend to wear a bit of Stussy and then kind of black trousers and maybe New Balance pretty much on the day. But you're um, in heaven when Stussy the sample sale in Margate. I know. Yeah. yeah. A dream. You've piqued my interest with this putting out fires, starting fires and a sauna on a beach. What other crazy weird shit have you been doing with Heckles? <laughs> It's such a good question. Um, Even like the stuff that fails on, you know, we've got an I mean, e-bike. We're very open about how much we fail. And I think that is because we do so much. And like, I love it because we're never doing one thing and stopping. It's always we do one thing and then we lurch onto the next, we lurch onto the next. And I think that's so interesting about this brand. So some of the things that worked, so we partnered with a big energy drinks company over the summer and we created an edible postbiotic cup, which we launched at a festival. And so you can have your drink in the cup and then you eat your cup afterwards. And it's designed to aid digestion, boost energy and promote collagen synthesis. Did you try one? I did try one. What did one it taste there. like? Because it's a gut health supplement, it basically tastes <laughs> as if you're eating a gummy supplement. And so it tastes a bit of seaweed, a bit of ginger, and a bit of blueberry. It's it's a lot to eat. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you eat it, and afterwards you're like, I have risen. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting experience. What was the feedback on that? i say it was positive and negative. I think that there were some people who just didn't quite understand the concept of it. There were others who were sort of shocked that we partnered up with a big energy drinks company, who on paper are, are a little bit opposite to who we are as a brand yeah and then i think that there were some who just didn't necessarily understand it but overall the the reception online was mega it was the most shared post i think we had last year it went kind of crackers on linkedin we had all, a load of investors contacting me <laughs> and the fun part is is, is is that material actually exists as like a side hustle within the business on some new packaging so it's it. so the idea of partnering with say a big energy drink i suppose it's not collaboration for collaboration's sake you're trying to change their behaviors exactly so it makes sense yeah yeah i think i hate in the in the sustainability world there's this this feeling that you can't do anything with anybody because you have to hold yourself to a brand that has the same kind of values and i think a lot of brands are trying to change and i think the only way to create that disruptable change is if if you leverage expertise and so i think it's their expertise is sort of putting on a festival and having these huge bars which obviously we have no idea about and our expertise is creating like game-changing material for game-changing products and so having the synergy between those two is only possible if you're able to actually create something that brings value to both sides and so I, I just hate hate this idea of if you're a sustainable brand you have to exist in a silo you can't do anything else it just it, it sort of it terrifies and disappoints me at what point did the brand because we've always known it as skincare mm -hmm. It sounds like you're talking a lot about like innovation and like products and sustainability. At what point did the company kind of really have that focus? It's been a focus for quite a while. I think at the, the core of the business is the seaweed extraction. So harvesting the seaweed and it's so versatile. So all the seaweed which we use comes from Margate. As we expand, it can come from completely different regions and it has completely different properties. And so if you look at the science of the seaweed, that was where everything came from. And I think the first proper material which we launched was our, our mushroom packaging, which we launched in 2019, which had an amazing reception, I think, as we were a little bit ahead of the curve of this whole mushroom craze now. Yeah. And I think doing our sort of 2.0 branding as well and introducing a home compostable materials, it's always been there. What we're really bad at is actually sharing our own innovations. And so we have these amazing innovations within the packaging of these incredible formula that can completely change the appearance of your skin. But what we're really bad about is sort of explaining, oh, you know, we actually have a whole lab in Margate that is basically people cooking and experimenting and coming up, up with these crazy new materials, which are ocean safe, 
compostable. And so I think for us, it's always about how can we actually leverage that? It's not currently in its form an actual viable commercial business. However, if we can piggyback off another brand and they can make a little activation commercially viable, let's absolutely do it. Yeah. What has been like the product or technique that's blown your mind the most? It will probably be this material called Biomem. So this is a brand new material and we actually launched it with compostable eye masks. So the, the eye mask industry, as you know, it's these little under iPads. It's so messed up because it's like a pack of two costs like 25 pounds. It comes in plastic. There's plastic all over it. Yeah. And we were just like, all you're doing is basically shipping plastic um, in a single use item. And so we were like, okay, how can we create something that's spun from seaweed that can be infused with all the ingredients that's then dried, that can be activated at home. So all you need to do is you add the water to these eye masks and then they swell up and then you can pop them under your eyes and they will help to aid visible signs of tiredness. They'll help with cooling the skin. And I think that for us was the first stance of this new material that's literally grown from algae in our labs, cut to shape with a laser cutter and then and sent out. To me, I was just like, this is where the brain waves arrive and like commercially it makes sense. From a business perspective, it makes sense. And having the environmental crown on top of it, it was just, yeah. I have it in the future section as well because I wanted to chat about them. But it really fascinated me, the shower gel pills. Yes. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Do you want to like talk to it? It's, so it's, can I try no, and explain it? Yeah, this is, you're, you're gonna, if you get the internship or not, is if you <laughs> do this well. So it's basically Barocca, but it's a body wash. I, I ingest it? No, I wouldn't. So it seems where you're saying you work with like hotels, I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. So it'd be, instead of having shower gels, you'd have these tablets where you, you what? I'm, I'm miming it. Yeah, you're, you're talking it. I'm miming it. <laughs> I'm, I just want to feel part of this. Because you two know what's going on. I have no idea. <laughs> so obviously I'm not sure how everything. I'm guessing it'd be like a dispenser or you'd have like yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of tablets in the room. So I'm guessing it looks like Barocca. Yeah. And then essentially when you run it underwater, it becomes a soap. So you could obviously, instead of having like big bottles getting shipped, you'd have little, little pills. Little pods. Little coffee, pods. coffee pods. Yeah. But it's um, like a, um, well, I, I swear from the image, it kind of looks a bit like, yeah. <laughs> a bit like the uh, placemats where they seem like small, like speckled, about the size of, well, a rocker, I guess. I mean, look, that's- Do you want to give the- <laughs> Yeah, I can give the full. So it was born out of a conversation um, It's with a hotel. So there was a new hotel opening in New York and they had this amazing water system built in where the water was purer than like actual, like pure water. And obviously if you look at the formulations of, of like a shower gel product, there's obviously a lot of aqua in there if you look at, at the labels. And so we were like, how can you take away the aqua that's incredibly heavy and just ship essentially like a powder concentrate? So rather than having to ship like tons and tons of, of liquid, you can ship like 100 kilograms of pills that'll last a year. So we're having this conversation, I think if you look at the hotel industry. Um, Just about the thing, because a litre is about a kilogram. Yeah. So you'd only have like 100 litres of shower gel, which in a hotel would only last a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. So yeah. And then we were... And, and yeah, it's the hotel industry is just in itself a bit messed up. Now it's great. And so we partnered with some amazing hotels that get sustainability. At the time, they just couldn't understand the concept of a refill. They couldn't grasp the idea of making it at source. <laughs> and they basically just laughed us out of the room, which I think was something that summed us up pre probably 2020, is we would just get laughed out of the rooms. So we'd go into all these spaces and they would literally be like, you are barking mad, but good luck. Or we don't <laughs> understand what you do, good luck. And so for us, we wanted to do it. And so having, I mean, lost this hotel, which could have been amazing for us, but in hindsight, it was a wrong hotel as we now have amazing partners instead yeah so we were like right how do we do this how do we scale this and how do we make it commercially viable so we probably went through three four five six iterations of it so it started in a little compostable sack and then it moved into pill then it moved into powder then it moved into pill again and the idea is you can then add i think it was two pills into a dispenser add hot water stir it and then it turns into a gel and it lasts for sort of two-ish weeks and then you clean it out and you start again amazing the thing is this is all like batman mind-blowing science stuff i watched batman the other day that's what i was <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> 
<laughs> but this isn't where people are going to find their entry point to heckles. No. If you're going now to our audience, go buy this product. What are they going to get the most value for? What are people buying? I would buy uh, Ecomarine Cream. Um, this is our uh, number two best-selling product. It's a daily moisturizer packed with polysaccharides, packed with um, a whole bunch of amazing seed oils as well. So it's really, really good at nourishing your skin. It is a barrier-safe product, and so it will protect your skin all throughout the day. It's nourishing. Um, it comes in an ocean and a home compostable pot as well. So it, it, it essentially leaves no trace. That, for me, should be our entry-level product. But I think if you look at <laughs> how scattered we are and how many products we do, <laughs> so many people have a different journey into heckles. And, and I think I think it, it's, it's, it's almost our Achilles heel because we do so much. We care so much about everything that we do. The smallest little product has such a huge story behind it. So we always tumble over ourselves with a product launch and we'll post it on Instagram and it's almost like an essay explaining every detail. And we explain every detail because we have thought through every single step of the process. And so for us, there's so much to talk about. But to your normal consumer, all they want to know is, is this going to fix my skin? Is it going to make me look good? Is it going to make me look younger? And all those things we probably never say because we fall over ourselves explaining everything. Yeah. So it should be, Ecomarine Cream should be the first product that people come in. It's got amazing reviews um, and it stacks up really well. And that is what I use and have been using for, God knows how long now, a good Excellent. three, four, five months. And you look stunning. Thank yeah. you very much. So you said that's the number two product. Yeah. What is the number one? Algae Plump. So this product. Oh, the serum. Yeah, the serum. Nice. Um, use that as well till it ran out. It's brilliant. So this product, is, um, it's, we launched it in 2020. It was yeah. the first product that we launched in lockdown. Bearing in mind at this time, our, our predominant customer was purchasing like soaps and hand washes and candles and stuff. So we weren't really a skincare brand. It was sort of like a nice thing to have. So we launched this Algae Plump serum, which is um, a hyaluronic acid combo. As we were launching it, I was like, what the fuck is a hyaluronic acid? But now I'm <laughs> speed bursting it. But but we launched this and it contains amazing like ocean polysaccharides and so it's really really good at nourishing the skin and locking in moisture so we launched it bearing in mind is we weren't really an econ company prior to lockdown so we launched this product expecting it to sh shift i don't know like 10 units or whatever <laughs> because it, it just went out on an email and we were like we don't have a beauty customer so we launched this this product and then I'm quite like tracky. It starts yeah. just being like, oh, you know, I'll refresh it every half an hour. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> we sold more than we'd ever sold of any product up to that date in 10 years, in 24 hours. Wow. And we were just sat there and we were like, what have we done that's different here? Did you have enough manufactured? We, no. <laughs> As is always the case. I think if, if you look at what we do, we're always a little bit kind of haphazard. Because it costs so much to make our products, I think in the beauty industry, a lot of brands just buy in pre-made products. They and they put label, label on them. Yeah. Yeah. And then because of that, they've got cash to burn because they've got an 80% margin. Yeah. We do not have that. And so everything which we do is always sort of like a trial and error to see if it works because the MOQs, the buy our sustainable packaging is is mega. So at this time it was it was a lockdown baby. Um so we had a glass supplier and they used to spray the branding on the bottles. This glass supplier, they shut down at the start of COVID. Oh, no. We had £100,000 worth of stock tied up there. Yeah. Rather than closing and telling us, I got out, out of office explaining how they couldn't work in a COVID-safe manner. And we were just like, well, you might not be able to, but we certainly are. <laughs> so this was the first product in which we didn't even have the design. It didn't even look consistent. So we put a label <laughs> on the on the bottle because that was the only thing that we could do is get an, get an off-the-shelf printable label, print it, literally a Margate, stick it on by hand, 
and shove it on a glass bottle. Yeah. And so we were like, oh, you know, it's just gonna, it's a nice thing. It's an amazing product. And so we were watching these numbers and we were like, oh my God, we're a skincare company. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and it sort of reshifted our entire narrative, our entire focus was on building and launching skincare products. Well, I didn't even take that into consideration because obviously you're saying like everything is in-house, but it's, it's the same with like sustainable fashion where people from the outside think, well, why don't you just make a sustainable brand? But then when you come to make a brand, you think, well, it's not large scale. So for the same looking t-shirt, the same whatever, you'd be paying like 80% more at yeah. least, or well, no, it'd be three times at least. Because you have to go somewhere so niche and they can only produce it on small numbers, it costs way more to produce. Yeah. So I had this chat with Lewis Hamilton. Casual name drop. Casual name drop, okay, So I had a chat with Lewis Hamilton for Tommy Hilfiger and he really wants to push the sustainability aspect. And I think him doing it is a great start because there's obviously gonna be sustainable factories, but if they're not getting huge numbers in, they're still gonna charge a lot per unit. Whereas if they get Tommy Hilfiger to open up, then the whole cost of everything comes down. Yeah. So when you're the little man fighting, and when you're independent, it's such a nightmare to do it. And then to kind of keep it going as well, rather than being like, we have sustainable lines, but the bulk of it comes from this. To be able to fully be sustainable is massively commendable. Oh, our entire business model is sustainable other than our cash flow. <laughs> Which is probably the best way of, ex of explaining it because because we spend so much, we manufacture everything, we design everything, everything is done in-house. There's not one thing that we've launched that hasn't had Margate DNA all over it. Yeah. But because of that, as we scale, the business makes sense because we've got these huge overheads, we operate in an old casino in Margate, which is, is <laughs> principally a really good story, but, but fundamentally it's a very difficult building to operate. <laughs> <laughs> because it's just one enormous space and, and you're trying to do everything in it. Yeah. And so because of that, the overheads, because we care about our staff and we care about creating products, everything's handmade. And so to do that, it costs a hell of a lot of money. So all these brands that have like a sustainable arm or whatever, they get all the attention it's like, but you're actually being able to fund that because of the size that you are. Yeah. And because of your main kind of dirty line that's able to, to push it forwards. But even you're saying about it, like the markups, but Heckle's products are brilliantly priced. Yeah. It's not as if it's some ridiculous like, yeah, the serum costs 150 quid. How much would like, the, the face cream cost? Uh, so face cream is 48 and the serum is 28, which I know I've been doing a lot of work on like the business plan over the past couple of months and it works at scale, it doesn't work now. But our big thing is I hate, hate when brands launch a sustainable line that costs two, three times as much as a normal line. Exactly. Because it put it creates the difference, you know, I, I think we're in the most separated time in our society of where there's such big heat on and debate over climate change. Yeah. Because it's been weaponized, because it's like, oh, to, to live a, a life that is sustainable, you've got to have essentially more money to do the things. You've got to have more money to buy the clothes. You have to have et cetera, et cetera. And so it's just become so toxic. And so I'm desperate to hold on to up our prices. So a lot of our competitors have up, up their prices and we've held our prices because we cannot be that brand. And so it doesn't make sense now, but as we scale, it does make sense. So we live in a bubble, you know, like a London, East London bubble. For me, I put Heckles in the same bracket as like Aesop. How big is Heckles? Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> we make more noise. Than the, than the sales that we have. Is it a global brand? Yeah, we're a global brand, yeah. So we are stocked um, in lots of amazing retailers. We have customers from all over the world um, and we ship from Margate. So we've got 75 people in the in the business. It's That's been it? Going, yeah, 75. Wow. And yeah, we've been going for 10 years now. Our, our growth is deliberate and I think that's what some investors don't understand because they're like, just put a shit ton of money into Google and paid search and Instagram. <laughs> and I'm like, no, if 
you look at where our customers come from, they're all organic. So they're, they're referral, they're organic, they are people that are interested in, in what we do. If we wanted to get on that perpetual growth story, I could just put a shit ton of money into Google or, or Instagram and buy a load of customers that are fake. It's like, do you know who I am? I'm the founder of Edie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know this thing. <laughs> is the UK still the number one consumer? It is indeed, yeah. Um, I'd say we are probably 60% UK. Currently, we're seeing quite a big surprising amount coming in from Los Angeles. Coincidentally, I was there in November, but <laughs> different story. So we've just launched this new skincare line, which is currently called Innovations. It will be changing names soon, but this is essentially a system that's built around microbial skincare, skin pH, and kind of feeding bacteria. And so the idea is you're able to completely reset skin inside and out. And we launched it in November, and it's just had this amazing response, but it's been predominantly driven by the States, which is crazy for us to see. So is there a rogue territory where Heckles is popping that when you saw it, you're like, wow, we're absolutely smashing Papua New Guinea. <laughs> <laughs> so we've always been quite big in Japan. Um, so we have a little like store over there, which is like open sometimes, closed sometimes. It's sort of that kind of vibe, <laughs> if you know, you know. But yeah, we've been we've been seeing, particularly in the London store, people are coming in from overseas. They'll come in and spend like a grand. They'll leave the store on all these bags and then they'll put all the, the products on Weibo or something. Oh. And so there's almost like a resale market, which we saw the other day. And I was like, this is like crazy. Proxies. Yeah. So um, what we're saying is Heckles is the supreme of skincare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we currently are because we've just got no stock to sold out of everything. Everybody thinks that, that that we're almost gaming the system of like, so we'll turn on stock, everyone will buy it and then it sells out in like two seconds or anything. That is genuinely, our supply chain is a bit messed up currently. So we'll put stuff on, especially with home care. So we'll put it on the website and then there's like a, there's a notifier. So if it's out of stock, customer will put, come on, they'll put their name on the list and they'll get an email. So we'll put stuff on. In about 10 minutes, customers' behavioral habits have changed. So I'll bulk buy about 10 units of it, 20 units, 30. So, so the amount of stock goes in about two minutes and they have all these people coming at us and being like, oh, this sold out so quickly, like what's happening here? <laughs> and then, like in all Scalpers. honesty, it, like we're working so hard behind the scenes to fix our supply chain. So Is that a cash flow thing as well? You're saying like yeah, you have the cash a, to produce on mass. It's a cash flow and it's, it's, a, it's a supply chain. Trying to honor local suppliers in Margate, if you look at our supply chain, it's like predominantly in Kent. And so the issue which we have now is sandblasting our, our glass. Um, it's a sandblasting, sort of as the name says it on the tin, we just file it, sand <laughs> it, and it and it takes off the top edge of glass. So it has like a sea glass effect. So I'm not sure if you've ever heard of sea glass. It's this, the glass that comes up on the on the um, like tidal pathways. Yeah. Um, and it's the glass that has, has been in the ocean, just pounded, 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 and it has like a really soft effect. So we're trying to do that, and then we are trying to print on it. And it has essentially just caused the biggest amount of disruption that we've ever had in our supply chain because we've been trying to champion like local Kent suppliers. And we've just struggled to keep up, which has just been a bit of a disaster from kind of all perspectives. I think pre-Christmas, <laughs> it was like, okay, either we can sell to our like key retailers or we can sell on our direct channels. And it was sort of a Sophie's choice of do you go for that sort of immediate or do you burn all, all your relationships? And we sort of had to prioritize the direct channels. It's always been messy. I think it is the messiest it's ever been. And it's just in an unfortunate piece where we're sort of trying to fix things behind the scenes, but also <laughs> trying to keep the lights on. What are some of those retailers that you stuck with? We are in End, we're in Selfridges, we're in Liberty, Browns. So you're going to struggle when we ask what your favorite multi-brand retailer is later on. <laughs> yes, every one of them. Um, and yeah, but so we sort of took wholesale in-house and I'm I'm a firm believer in like you build relationships instead of profit, which is probably everything which Heckles should be doing.
soon. But and so we have these amazing trips down to Margate, and we invite all the retailers down, and we'll sort of have a tour of the space. We'll Can we come once upon a time? Absolutely, brilliant, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, we so we did it before the big kind of the relaunch of 2.0. So we have all these all these brands come down, and I think people sort of expect us to be quite like timid and sort of um, oh let's protect the ocean and come and have a massage. And I think that <laughs> might be our old external kind of viewpoint, but inside we are this like thick unit of people who are just doing stuff and breaking stuff and we're moving really fast and so they'd come down and be like oh my god I didn't expect it to be like this Yeah. Um, and then we'd go out for, for dinner and drinks and get them absolutely pissed as a fart and be like right you will be buying this then <laughs> Think you know diamonds? Probably not as much as you think Our engagement ring the gift from a partner or the jewellery we buy to celebrate a win sparks a lot of joy but did you know that Stone is connected to 10 million people around the world? From Canada to Africa to Australia the natural diamond industry provides healthcare and more to remote communities. Each natural diamond promises a more sparkling future for generations to come. Discover so many more natural diamond truths at naturaldiamonds.com slash thank you. <laughs> yeah. well, we had the pre-production call with Charlotte and she said, last year was a big year. You can chat about that. We had no indication on what this was. Oh, Can you tell us what happened last year? Yes, I can. So we did a relaunch called Heckles 2.0 and it was actually built on conversations with our customers. We had grown to the exponentially in 2020 and 2021 and everything was just really, really messy. Our supply chain was messed up, not as messed up as it is now. And I think because of this sort of glassware issue, we launched and relaunched products with labels on it and on them. And I think as we sort of came towards the end of, I guess, no, I'd say the middle of 2020, as we sort of kind of inwardly looked and we're like, okay, we we're actually being quite impactful in what we're doing. Our resource intensity is really high on all these natural ingredients. There's a big carbon footprint in glass. Customers aren't, aren't recycling their glass to us as much as they used to. Yeah. Because obviously customers are staying at home. So we really wanted to, to recreate and rebuild heckles around sustainable principles. But at the same time, we wanted to elevate the brand and show everybody what the future of sustainability is. It's always been really, really hard. I think there's a lot of people who view sustainable skincare as this sort of like organic, twee, amber glass kind of design ethos. And we were really keen to show that actually you can be really progressive. Yeah. You can be really scientific in your language. And you can create something that looks entirely different, but be there. Yeah. So we spent a long time, it was sort of hair putting out times, but um, it's spent <laughs> a long time creating Heckles 2.0. And this was built around splitting the brand into more identifiable pillars, rebuilding the pillars around a sustainability concern and to the championing a new way of kind of identifying sustainability, really. So when I'm finished with my skincare products, mm -hmm. do I eat them? Or do you, <laughs> but like, how, how, do you, how do you recycle this, is it? So it's a home compostable material for heckle skin. So it's actually made by microbes. So the yeah. microbes, if put in the right conditions in a home composter, then view the, the, the packaging as a food source. It's essentially a fat. So they will then enzymatically digest that packaging. So you'll be left with no packaging in under 52 weeks in, in the right conditions. So that was a, that was a really big one for us. We were like, oh my God, this is going to change the world. Yeah. Do customers really care about that or do they just want an easy solution? <laughs> the jury's kind of out, but I think I think it's the best solution that's out there. I think that we as a company probably speak too much about materials and I think the main thing that people buy us is because the products are really good. Yeah. And so I always say, okay, we've got to go back to the goo. The goo's inside. <laughs> that's what people want. Packaging has to disappear and I think that that's the prime example of what Heckle Skin does and it does completely disappear afterwards. This is like spitballing, and this is like, a it could be a really terrible idea. Are we pitching ideas now? <laughs> yeah, I guess oh, so. I didn't bring any. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in a flat on the second floor in the middle of Shoreditch. So there's not really much like garden space 
in a good 100 kilometer radius. So you say like a home composter. Is it really that Heckles could kind of make a home composter as part of like the lifestyle range? Could you make like a Heckles terrarium where it's like... It's definitely on the roadmap, I think from... Uh, so kind of we... Is it written down anywhere? Because if not, we've no, got a recording that this idea is our case and we yeah. own the idea. <laughs> <laughs> so we partnered with some community gardens currently and that's sort of where we send off all the packaging if it comes back into our supply chains. It is something which we are really keen to work on is to have that sort of end of end of use point of distribution within a, a household is obviously mega. And I think as people are moving more towards compostable packaging in general, it's definitely something which which could be done. It's, it's probably something that we can't afford to do right now. It's definitely, <laughs> something, it's definitely something we'd love to do. Collaboration. Yeah, there we go. We've talked about innovation a lot and the successes. What's been the biggest craziest fail <laughs> <laughs> what i love about heckles and and what we do is we're really really open about our failure it's sometimes at the behest of of of, of people i think there's a few people who will read our instagram and be like fucking hell they're a bit miserable aren't they <laughs> because we don't like touting our success i think it's inherently humble and i think that's that's sort of how you should do it so i think the prime example is when we create something and we trip over everything because we're like it's the best thing ever yeah i'd say the compostable eye mask which i touched on earlier a really good example of like when we get too excited and it sort of lands flat. <laughs> so we created these eye masks and they were, so we split it into three. I, I sort of channeled inner Steve Jobs um, <laughs> as, as he launches the iPhone and it was sort of like, okay, this weekend uh, there's three game-changing products launching. So the first one is uh, a grown-to-order product. The second one is a compostable product and, and the third one is a month supply. Um, right. So it's completely refillable. So everyone was like, what the fuck is this? Is it going to be the pill? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be this? And then we sort of launched these eye masks and everyone was like oh <laughs> but, but actually the, the science behind them is like growing things to order they're zero waste they're compostable yeah amazing but actually people buy them now and it's a top 10 because of the effectiveness of, of, of the under eye skin and I think a prime example is just us constantly tripping over ourselves I'd say the pill launch unmitigated disaster really um, we created a wait list so we had it on the website for about a year I think on a wait list kind of function and so because of that we built up this enormous wait list and it was designed as a year's supply and yeah. so you could essentially purchase a year's supply of stuff and then how the waitlist works is as soon as, as the product's turned on everybody gets an email and then everyone could buy it yeah somebody accidentally turns on the product when the price was wrong and the website wasn't ready <laughs> so all of a sudden I think it had like 25,000 people trying oh. to get on the website at one time wow the website crashed people managed to buy it at the wrong price and we were just sat higher or lower we were way lower oh, <laughs> like God. way way lower and we were like if you look at the, the components that's actually in the product it costs so much more than people got it on that obviously we're heckles and so we were like okay well honor your pricing on this but don't tell anyone <laughs> but yeah I think it was like a prime example of, of us just like because we're a little bit kind of hodgepodge and everyone has their own like access to everything yeah. it was just like a really honest mistake that turned on this thing and then the website <laughs> crashed and then yeah could be great marketing though if people now know that they could uh, potentially get something for way cheaper than it's even <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah. Just the anything list. on the yeah. website will go one day well we talked about the website and we talked about distributors mm -hmm. but the physical store mm. fantastic so where is it first of all so yeah, we've got our headquarters in Margate um, and then we've got our other store is in Broadway Market. They're both very different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, you know, you talked about the relaunch of everything last year yep. and the store got a lick of paint. Yep. 
a little bit of a redesign. Yeah, and that's actually where we encountered this. We went and had a, a view of it, and it's like amazing, and it feels so much warmer. Yeah. than it once did. It does feel less sciencey, but you know, there's so much science in Heckles. Mm-hmm. It feels like somewhere you could go and enjoy the space, and not have to go through a science lecture to understand what you're buying. Yes. The first version of the store was almost like a Horcrux to me. Like I put so much of my soul in it. Um, we had tried to do a fundraising in uh, October 2019 as so we got term sheets. Honestly, if you look back now, the terms were the shittest terms we could ever have got. It was some guy coming in and getting 25% of the business for next to nothing. So we signed this lease. It was a seven-year lease. There was a, a to capex of like 250 grand just to, to spend on the store. We were going to do this, that, and the other. On the day that we were supposed to get the money in, he pulled out by WhatsApp and we were like, no well, way. cheers then. We'd signed for a seven-year lease the day before, cost a fortune, and paid what little money we had to to, to cover the, the year up front and then the legal <laughs> fees. So we got in there and we were like, right. <laughs> so we tried to strip back the store. Um, so I applied like a, a data set. Our, our, the amount of products which we had was too much to fit in the store because we couldn't <laughs> afford to do the basement. <laughs> so we sort of stripped back the product offering um, and we were like, right, let's just do it all ourselves. So we painted it ourselves. We did the, the woods, the design the flooring like everything was all ourselves Sick. so we sort of sat there at the end of it and we're like okay then and that's the store um, <laughs> it didn't really fit but it worked it yeah. created a, a space because we didn't want to be the brand that comes up from Margate opens up this hugely commercial store because it sort of goes against everything which we stand for from a commercial perspective so we sort of designed this store to so as you walk in you couldn't really see any products all you would see was a mortuary table this is a secondhand mortuary table <laughs> Because the idea was when this investor pulled out, he messaged him as like, retail is dead. <laughs> so what we did is we got a mortuary table and then and then we wrote a message on the door and it was like, an investor told us that, uh, that like the high street was dead or, or whatever, but fuck that and let's do this. <laughs> so everything in there was kind of like a, if you know, you know, wink to being screwed over by this guy. Yeah. So yeah, we had a mortuary table and then we fashioned some sort of metal obelisk almost on top of it Yeah. that was growing seaweed in it. In our heads, it was like, great. So we're going to grow seaweed at source turn that into products. Everyone that walked in was like, what the hell's going on in here? Is that dog grooming? What's this tap doing? What's this doing? Um, and because we did it ourselves, nothing really worked. So the mortuary table was supposed to be a tap and so you could go and try a product and it was like, the way it was designed is we had like a water jug and you put the water jug in it and it got moldy and the taps just didn't work. So oh. essentially you had this dead area of retail space and then all the products were just squished on this um, on the shelf. And so we did a, um, a big investment round last year and we were like, let's do the store how we want to do the store. It needs to be a store where the products can do the talking. It yeah. needs to be a store in which you understand who we are as a brand before you walk in there. And it also needs to sound completely different out of the Margate store. So the Margate store is designed in a way in which it's authentic to be a lab because that is where we make the products. That's where yeah. we grow the products. It's not authentic to have a lab in London because we don't make anything here. Yeah. So every store has to have a DNA intrinsically linked to the building, to the, to the area. And it also has to progress. I hate the idea of just opening up a carbon copy or a muck copy of the yeah. Margate store. Muck copy. <laughs> <laughs> um, of the market store because obviously that store is iconic it's got the growth towers in there that are growing some of our supply chain you've got the spiroglow ferment growing in there you've got candles you've got labs you've got everything which makes sense there doesn't make sense in London that's on the, the ground floor ground floor yeah upstairs yes first of all the kitchen's fantastic yes it is brilliant <laughs> so, how would you describe it it's got like a Memphis design almost quite it's like, loud it's very loud <laughs> yeah so upstairs you have the treatments yes do you want to talk us through that so you've got yes so Heckle's house is, uh, and the reason we call it 
as a heckle's house, which is probably, I say heckle's always takes opportunity. It's been never really planned stuff. It's like if an opportunity comes up, it's like, yeah, we'll take it. And that kind of happened in Margate. So we started in a store there and then we took the house upstairs and we kind of squished the spa into the house upstairs. And it's this award-winning spa. It was in the, it still makes me laugh. It was in like the top 10 global spas in the world in the Telegraph. Really? And then it was like the Ritz Carlton in, um, in the Maldives and like all these other amazing. And then it was like heckle's house, Margate. <laughs> which still makes me laugh. It's, it's a testament to the therapist which we have in there and the, and the design which we've done. Yeah. So in London, we wanted to, again, have the heckle's house concept. It's a bit of a higgledy-piggledy house. And so you have to sort of leave the store, go through the side door and, and, and head upstairs. The idea of it is, is the principles is bringing the ocean into your treatments. And so you can have algae plumps squirted into your face and so you leave and you're like glowing and radiant. And yeah. you can have these amazing massages. And, and the ultimate idea is you're able to just be immersed in the products because yeah. we have designed a whole range of treatments and products that amplify each other. Because obviously it is, like you're saying, it's very science-based as well. It's not just you go there, you get the products rubbed into your skin. It is, obviously I have no idea what the machines are called, yeah. but it's fascinating. Yeah, have you, you seen you, the... Well, you, you had the, the treatments done to you, didn't you? Yeah, I've, I've been, I've had two or three, and both times like they've been different depending on what I needed as well. Yeah. It's not just like a one-size-fits-all. So the lady was fantastic. It was just really bizarre of like getting oxygen blown into my face. Yeah. Like as in, sorry, that makes it sound so like... <laughs> Someone's hot breath on your mouth. Just a balloon. <laughs> So it was, um, yeah, it's it's non, what's it called, like, non-intrusive? Yes. It's called, like, so um, I used to, uh, no disrespect to a blesser, I used to go to a lady in Driftfield, and I used to get these things called dermabrasion. Oh, yeah. Which is literally just, like, it's basically sanding your face. Yeah. It takes off a layer of your face. So the lady did my treatment of heckles. I was, like, talking through it, and then she said, yep, so that's what they probably would have used 10 years ago, but this is what you do now, so you'd have, God, I couldn't even describe it. Yeah, you, it's lotions and potions, and, yeah, it just feels like cold air. And it's just blasting oxygen into your skin to penetrate it further. Yeah. And everything's just like I love the way that it's it's easily digestible, but it's it's talked through every step. It's not just like a like a snake oil kind of thing where it's like, yep. So we're gonna just turn on this really loud machine for no reason. <laughs> like you're getting talked through it in a way that you'd understand it. What's your favorite treatment? I'm a big facial guy. Um. So it's called the House Lab. Um. In London. And yeah, but it's everything is bespoke. And so we never. I hate that the idea of you going to a spa and you have like the same old facial. facial because everyone skin's different and we really wanted to have like an educational journey as well so I go in there have a house lab I get quite like bloated and jowly so I'm always like <laughs> make me look tighter um, so I like to get a bit of gua sha a bit of microcurrent which essentially it's, like tightens all your nerves behind your yeah, skin yeah I had that as well that's the it's like the weirdest feeling in the world yeah it's like the cold metal ball kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so that's why I had first time as well that was on my birthday yeah. as well oh well there we go best present ever yeah. and then yeah the second time I had the oxygen yeah fantastic yeah I'm I'm, I'm in love with them. And you know what? We never put any spend behind our houses. Like, they just are. Customers come back and it, again and again and again. It's, we never really advertise them. So half the people, half our customers aren't even aware we have a house in London <laughs> for the first thing. But then it's just, it's amazing to see the organic traction. Like, never have we spent in it. It's chock-a-block. I can't even get in now. <laughs> when we first opened it, I was like, facial every Friday. Kind of vibe, but now I'm like, oh. Talking about promotion and putting spend behind things, you guys work in partnership with people in culture, mm -hmm. uh, someone like Danny, mm -hmm. but then also, you know, editors of magazines and things like that. It feels really curated and like really well thought of. We went to a dinner and it was like, everyone there was like, you know, a few degrees of separation. You sat next to different people and 
the going to piano playing hits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was. It felt like I don't mean this in like a really like uh, ego way, but a great like meeting of minds. You were talking to people, and you were all like exchanging ideas, and it was just really fun. And obviously, great food and lots of drinks always yeah. helps. <laughs> yeah. But what's the thought behind that process of work uh, working with influencers in brackets? So I think for us, it has to be organic and it has to be community based, right? And I think a lot of the times it's just natural through being mates that we just happen to be friends and then they set it in our ecosystem. We would never just send people like a random gift and be like, enjoy. <laughs> and we also never ask anyone that we send stuff to to tag or post it or, or promote it. It has to has to feel authentic because I think everybody's got every single brand under the sun being sent to them in the mailers. It's, we always sort of tie it to treatments. I think it's always sort of tied to a specific product launch. And then I think the main part of it is, yeah, it's having that community vibe. So it's always tied to like a, a really fun dinner. It's curated because Charlotte, um, has very good skills at running a one-man band, which is no, nothing I've ever seen before. And I think it just enables us to be the the brand that we are because we're not tied down to doing things in a rigid manner. Like everything which we do has to have a reason to exist from a product perspective. And so we feel exactly the same in terms of our community. Like every touch point has to have a, a reason to exist. And we also do community events with our customers. And so over the summer, we did a series of community days, which again, angry emails 101 because like <laughs> 5,000 people applied for like four days with like 40 people on each day off of the back of one email and the idea was just to come down to Margate you have a massive day you have a presentation and drinks whatever yeah and we always do that alongside of our, our customers like our customers are beating heart of everything that we do we listen to them I get on the DMs and have a look at the, the customer <laughs> feedback because I think it's important because if you lose sight of your customers then you lose sight of your community and yeah I think there are brands that trait that chase after influences that aren't a relevant fit to their customers yeah and so because of that, if you lose sight of your customers, then everything is just a miss. So just like Heckles, natural and organic. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> you know, we, we've asked you to come on because obviously we love the brand, we love you, but we were discussing how this started off as, I suppose, a fashion podcast, but fashion has expanded so much further into skincare, fragrance, jewellery, you know, every, like it's lifestyle. all encompassing. And obviously you guys launched a fragrance recently that we've both been wearing. It's all good. We've got to text each other. Make sure you're not wearing it today. I'm not wearing it today. Is there a future where heckles and fashion combine? I think there's a future where heckles and lifestyle combine because I think a lot of the touch points that we do don't necessarily have an obvious place sat next to each other until we open like a hotel or like a spa that's like a massive site and a pool and everything else. Because everything that, that we're working on, specifically our, our sort of our nutritional efforts are designed to amplify each other. And we can do this because we make everything ourselves and so you can design a nutritional supplement that amplifies the effectiveness of the skincare in like a cohesive system. And it's sort of the same in everything which we do. And so I think for me, it fits more into like a world and ecosystem that has everything in it and yeah I'd love to in, in the future to have like a full Heckle Spa experience instead of a house experience yeah. that has it all in there what brands would you align Heckles with from like you know whether it be a food brand or a fashion brand or a video rental brand whatever it is is there somebody who has the same values and is doing really well sustainably that you're like love that so we partner with some amazing brands already. So there's a coffee roastery called Ozone, which in its DNA is basically baked through with all of our ideals. And we partnered with them and we've launched a coffee soap that takes their leftover coffee and their leftover coffee cups. And, and so we put the coffee in the soap bar and then the coffee cups are the paper that houses the soap. It's so like a, a really good partnership that we have. There is another brand that we're working on something really cool with, which I'm under an NDA, but from, a, <laughs> but under about four NDAs now, but, but from a um, brand, 
commitment to sustainability perspective, bang on. And what kind of brand is this? This is a... Uh, an NDA brand. An NDA brand, <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, is it, is it a fashion or is it like a... Uh, fashion. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. And this will, will be like a, their lifestyle foray kind of thing. So Heckles is always looking forward. In this future section, we're going to get in some innovation. Hopefully Danny's got some more ideas to pitch you. Um, <laughs> nice. and we want to hear like a bit more about the future of e-com, retail and Heckles. You've, you've alluded some cool stuff you've got coming up. What can you tell us about? In, in the short term, and then what's that big goal? The short term is, I think, cleaning up the way we talk about our own products to people because I think that our community is hyper-engaged. They love what we do, but for us, it's how do we get that into as many people's hands as possible. For sure. Without being this batshit crazy brand of being like, and we make edible cups, and, and we do this. <laughs> so you need to talk to the everyman. Yeah. Have you thought about getting Danny to write your copy? Like, it's like, oh, this one's dead, de dead ass. Oh, this one's dead good. This I like it. It's a bit raw, it's, it's great. Style. This one, mint for hangover. <laughs> like to be fair, I think I think if you look at our copy on the website, and I do write some of it, and so I'm probably a bit. You just got a bit bashful then when you said yeah. <laughs> that is wonderful. Um, and I think I think it's almost having a fresh pair of eyes on things, and so we and so we have some new hires now who are brilliant, and it's applying a fresh pair of eyes on things because for so long we've been talking to our community in a way where, and they love long form stuff. So I think if you look at our emails and our Instagram, it's like an essay which works so well because yeah. everybody loves it and it's, it's open and honest but I think to new customers it's like what the fuck is going on here they're talking about Margate one day they're talking about a sauna the next day they're talking <laughs> about an edible cup the next day there's no pictures of the product on the feed there's no pictures of it on models there's nothing like because we just don't exist in that world of trying to fit in to the beauty world unless you know and you know how amazing the products are it's very hard to enter into the brand and so I think the short term is that in the middle term I think it's exploring lab grown ingredients yeah it's so lab grown ingredients is a conversation around the resource intensity of farming natural ingredients so as a natural ingredient brand as we scale, our resource intensity increases. And so this is the amount of land that is required to harvest the crop, the amount of actual like excess in the in the, in the the yield. And so like an example is like to get the essence of a rose, it needs like 100 kilograms of petals from roses, 100 kilograms needs like a hectare of land to grow on and all the water yeah. associated with that. Then you've got the shipping and the carbon emissions. So all of this stuff, I think natural is now becoming a bit of a dirty word. So you <laughs> see all these brands that are desperate to launch these 100% natural products. And we're a little bit like, you it's actually almost Better a, to a, a juxtaposition. Yeah, it's yeah. a juxtaposition of being sustainable and natural and it doesn't really fit anymore. And, and I think because there's so much greenwashing and bullshit in the beauty world, we're now at the point of being like, hey, we're going to introduce lab-grown ingredients. Um, <laughs> so we've got this this new, uh, it's called Heckles Lab. It'll be launching end of next month. And, and we sort of did it as a, as a test and drop model. So we launched it to our email customers, as we always do. Our, our sort of email customers are our most engaged customers. And so we launched this suite of products built around this proprietary ingredient called Spiroglow. So Spiroglow is a fermented seaweed that we grow in installations around the world. So we've grown stuff in Selfridges and we've grown stuff in Paris and then we've also had stuff in our lab. So we grow that and then we add in these new lab-grown nature identical ingredients into these products that's built as a system to amplify one another. And we've never designed a suite of products to work together. Yeah. It's always been introducing a product here, a product here. So for the first time we've designed this suite that amplifies each other and so every ingredient instead of like if you put like toast on its own is nice but if you put like jam on toast it's yeah. amazing <laughs> kind of like that in its its most simplistic of terms and so for me that has been my big push is, is creating a new division in which we can be more explorative in which in which we're able to champion new ingredients and new methods of, of creating stuff and also build a product that makes sense commercially yeah <laughs> so it makes sense in a financial perspective to, to build this new scalable product solution so Heckles House in Margate where you make 
Megan thing. Is that open to the public? So we recently installed a lock on the door because uh, we operate. <laughs> <laughs> so we operate in an old casino. Yeah. So it's an old Genting casino. It's this massive kind of eyesore on the, on the front of, of the cliffs, but it's super close to our, our store. And people weren't aware that the casino would close. So we used to have punters coming in day in day out who, who walk in and they're a bit like, oh, uh, it's a bar open upstairs. And we're like, no, we sort of changed this uh, like almost two years ago now. So it isn't it isn't it? It's very much an operational factory, and so it's hard to get tours around because it's a working factory. And of so course. Our aim was to have it open. I think in reality it will be open for bits and periods and for events. Yeah. Um, because it's just such a big operation, and technically it's still like a, it's still licensed as a casino. Oh, right. So we might be able to have like a gambling night or whatever and, and do it all legally. So the everyman can come to it on these events. On it's these not events. like you need to be like a buyer for something. You don't need to have a reason to do it. You can if you have the interest register. Exactly. To come to a tour. Exactly. Brilliant. So on Broadway Market, we're in Margate. You know, as the business grows, where would be your next dream retail locations? So we've actually been in conversations for a store in central London because Sick. for me, everything that we've done has arisen through opportunity. So we found these stores, we squished everything into them, but not really designed and found a retail space in which it's not squishing in, in which we're able to like be everything yeah. and all in there. And I think it was there. So we've sort of got this idea. It's a little bit further off, but it's almost like Heckles Couture that plays off the area so obviously a lot of tailoring used to happen in central London yeah. um, and we sort of found this site near about to there to be able to have a sort of couture offering which you're able to come in and have your skincare tailored to you on site and I think that's the future if we want to do a commercial store it has to be at the the, the opposite end of what people are expecting and so everything would um, essentially be grown and manufactured in this space and so we'd have this heckles world in which we'd also have our nutritional offering in there and so you could actually buy the heckles kvass and the collagen broth and all these amazing other um, supplements that we're working on and then you could eat it out of an edible cup and then you could head upstairs and you could have a biomimetic scan of your skin that wow. can then read that not only can you have your skincare tailored to you it can then also have a 3D mask scan that's then infused and so you can have a, a mask that fits perfectly onto your face and could go on like Is that Is this like a reusable like it would be a it's full blood mold material So it won't be like single use like a regular face mask it'd be one of those it's one of those where you kind of have the mask shape and then you fill it with the product exactly. Exactly. And to get the liquid on it afterwards. Yes. Apart from London, would LA be the next location? You're right, yeah. So when we did our fundraise last year, we were actually going to open in the States and have a supply chain out there. So we were in the middle of securing a license to sustainably harvest the kelp out there. So kelp grows on a ball out there. So we need to get a boat to the shark-infested waters and, and sort of cut it off that way. <laughs> and the idea was honouring the supply chain out there is we could then get the kelp instead of the bladder rack and we could reformulate and resource all the products in LA. We found this building which was probably twice the size of the casino. And we're going to do that. Oh, we're going to do that? We're going to do that. Oh. We're going to do that. And then we just thought, do you know what? We are stretched so thin as it is, operating in another geography and, ha and having to do everything in, having not cracked or ticked off the UK market at scale yet, yeah. is a distraction. And we have abundant opportunities around us. There's always something new happening, I think. Our biggest thing is we sort of, it's not lacking focus. I think it's lacking the push to make something commercial. Because as soon as we get too commercial, it's always a bit like, oh, maybe we need to pull out of that or maybe we need to do that. So it's more trying to get over our inward ability or our inward fear of commercialising yeah. our product range first before we go international. 
This is a very weird one. It could be a stupid question. I'm quite intrigued. When you say in different seaweeds of different properties, is there like a grail seaweed? Like, is there a place that there's only a certain place you can get it? It's got these miraculous <laughs> properties. Is there anything like that where it's like... So do you know what? I think the the grail is probably sea moss. Um, right. It's, you've probably seen a load of um, stories over sea moss and uh, the benefits of sea moss to ingest I know it. it's just a kit. <laughs> <laughs> Don't laugh. She, she, is she also on OnlyFans? Or... <laughs> um, and yeah, so it's got it. this. It's got this amazing property because it's got ninety-seven of the hundred and two minerals which you need. Don't quote me on that, but um, something akin to that. Yeah. So you eat it, and and it takes off all your minerals. You eat it. Yeah. Wow. Um, watch this space because that will be launching fairly soon. And um, where do you get this? Is this worldwide, or is it just a certain? It depends on the source of of what you want. And so there's an Irish type, and there's a few other types. What are the kind of differences between them then? So as an example, so oh, for the layman, like what are the like the results of the different? So kelp as a as a type is incredibly nourishing. So that's amazing on the skin, on the face. Uh, the bladder rack is incredibly cleansing and sort of antiseptic. And that's sort of all the types that we use on like homeware. There's also invasive types of seaweed. And so we've got a, a new collection that is taking invasive types of seaweed. So um, the sargasso, sargassum seaweed. I always get this wrong as there's a restaurant in Margate called Sargasso. <laughs> but there's an invasive type that's taken over the tidal pools called sargassum. And so we're going to turn that into a seasonal collection of products. There's also one- What are the in properties of that then? Like what? Again, it, it's it's calming and nourishing on the skin, and and oh, so right. in general, any type of seaweed has these amazing antiseptic, calming, hydrating, nourishing properties on on the skin, and then they're just slightly different. And so there's there's a type that has um, UVA protecting properties. Um, oh, brilliant! Then there's a type in in the Grand Bahamas that's almost like an energy drink, and so you can sort of combine that into things. Yeah. There's a type that can be spun more effectively into yarn, and so you're actually able to turn that into a seaweed clothing line. Oh, oh idea! Yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's probably one of our worst kept worst kept secrets and probably worst products ever but we tried to do a t-shirt more there's a brand who did something and it, it kind of pissed me off and I was like well we're going to make our own clothing then and I was just like we want to do something that's authentic that's like if we want to do a seaweed line of clothing it's called we made at Margate and so we tried to do this this oversized seaweed t-shirt and it kind of worked it didn't really work if you washed it it sort of shriveled up into a ball <laughs> you had to sort of iron it incredibly rigorously afterwards and I just I'm quite open and so we had it call that customers and I'm like I'm wearing our t-shirt today <laughs> and we did a customer feedback over email and someone was commenting it was great it was like all you guys ever do is talk about shit and never launch it <laughs> I was like where's the t-shirt where's the restaurant where's this where's that and so I think using seaweed is so abundant in what you're able to do with it that the world is our oyster yeah. and we want it to be that every time we open up a heckle store is something different that's a different type of seaweed in there and there's a brand new reason to exist yeah your business is split between your direct consumer side and your wholesale side but there's new avenues in selling product TikTok you guys haven't fully embraced TikTok yet at all no <laughs> <laughs> but we even had on the pre-prod call you don't sell through Instagram do you no so there's yeah there's no I think because we put a lot of thought into things as soon as we go on Instagram it's like how are we going to be relevant how are we going to be authentic and I've shot a few videos which never see the light of day <laughs> because it's trying to explain what we do and we always get caught up in explaining the story I think we will do something at some stage 
but we don't have like a, to to be authentic. So like so we write our Instagram posts. Yeah. There's no social team. It's all the heads of departments will write posts and and it just to make it, it real. Yeah. Because I think as soon as we started to do like this, here's a before and after. This is that. It's sort of written by Chat GPT or whatever it's called. I can see us doing it, but but we just can't get it right. And we've tried hard. Don't want to make it gummy as well. And yeah, we don't. We just it. don't want to make it look shit. And I think if you look at a lot of Instagram posts that are going out there, yeah, they're having explosive growth. Yeah, they're selling a shit ton of products, but it's sort of like demeaning to the artistry that we put into everything. There's yeah. so much thought, not only in the products, but in the packaging, but also in the, in the way we present ourselves. As soon as you start to dismantle it, it becomes a bit sad and then you just become like every other brand. It's like you don't want to push out to more people. You want to bring people into you. Yeah, it's so like it's... come into the ecosystem yeah. instead of us being like, this algae plant will make your skin three times more whatever. Bump. Bump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you can write copy. Copyright, yeah. <laughs> award winning. <laughs> Seeing as you know you hate social media, I wouldn't say hate, but no, it, haven't you, found our, our place. I get it. Like, the thing that bothers me most is where brands try to exist on every platform. It's like you don't need to do that. Yeah. Just yeah. do something right, get it right, and like, then move on if you want to. What innovation is there around ecom that you guys are looking at? So we are very much. We'll try a new channel if we do try it. So we went on onto Discord. Uh, nice. Which was great for the three days that I managed to keep up with everything and then it sort, yeah. of, sort of faded. So 100%. Had another one of those comments in the feedback and <laughs> what I was Discord. I like Discord because it, it's a place where we can explain stuff and I think it has a really nice sort of community impact. I think for us, e-commerce is fucked in the beauty world, if we're being honest, because every single brand is doing discount after discount after discount. I mean, you look at, at, at some of our competitors and they're basically a discount brand now. We're lucky that we don't discount and we won't discount because it because we make everything. And so owning that supply chain, it means A, we can't discount, so we have the margin yeah. to get away. And B, we just haven't got the stock. Yeah. So, so everyone else buys into this perpetual growth plan of they're going to be 100% up year on year on year. And then if you look at what's happening in e-com, everyone's e-com business is dying. And so they're stuck with a load of stock that then they have to flog it. So I I think for us to try and be existing in the beauty world but not falling into all the the traits that everyone else does through discounting is really challenging i think investing more into story on a website is our biggest missing link because i think that what happens on instagram is we have these amazing stories and, and it's incredibly engaging it's in, incredibly i guess illuminating to all the decision processes that we make and what happens on e-commerce we just don't update anything <laughs> so you come on the website and it's like oh what's this or what was that and so if you're not part of the journey it almost looks like a sub brand now because it looks so different to who we were in this time last year and so e-com for us we're investing in story world building we're investing in more detailed explanations and, and we're just going to turn it into a, a proper platform and we've never had an e-com hire and so we just had a, a head of e-com who started last week but other than that it's good been... luck to them yeah. <laughs> he's great though so um it's we're in very safe hands but other than that e-com has just been a sort of neglected child yeah it'll be the stores first and then if we have any any stock it's kind of thrown together on it on <laughs> e-com but it's just like just there it's in the big terrarium yeah <laughs> well i guess we're like the tiktok and like instagram you're smashing it but i think tiktok with it being very visual and you're a storytelling brand i think almost lean into the science of it where it's it doesn't like not everything on tiktok needs to be super shareable like it doesn't need to be viral like look at what this has done to my skin in two weeks time do you guys get any traction on tiktok with people posting about the products we've seen a few i only got a tiktok about two weeks ago and i was still sort of like glasses on <laughs> how to use all the buttons so that's probably stuff on there i just haven't found it our customer is incredible 
because it's just such a diverse customer base and it's a, it's a blessing and a curse because it's quite hard to talk to a single demographic because we span so many and I think it is amazing as we've created this brand that is accessible to so many people but it does make it challenging as I think if you look on our, our Instagram it's really hard to talk about a product yeah <laughs> because as soon as you talk about a product actually person A has never bought an eco-marine cream or a skincare yeah. item and they just love candles and they will always buy candles yeah and so because the range is so vast and our customer collection is quite small still it's really really hard to strike a balance in between talking about stuff it's also like you can tell someone everything there is to know about riding a bike but until they get on it there's no way of kind of no seeing idea. it yeah so with it being like products i think what i always used to love when it comes to skincare like something that made it easier was almost like a not a quiz what's the name of it so you say what is your skin type yeah click that and then it's like or it's like i don't know and it's stuff i always kind of tell in sense it's like this would be the good product for you to start off with i think i've always liked stuff like that an algorithm if you will <laughs> i guess it bloody <laughs> is so i think now we're, we're branching into the territory of audience questions where me and jordan are just throwing very random stuff that has no real relation to the future so i guess we'll finish on the question we always finish segment on charlie as we're moving into the future you can have to represent yourself digitally we know this so what would be that immortal fit how are you going to be immortalized what is that one outfit that you're going to be represented in for the rest of your life money's no object size no object your skin's already glowing skin's already glowing thank you <laughs> it could be some 1900s whatever Cork or it could be kind of vibe. yeah or it could be some it's, it could be a seaweed wrap suit. could be a seaweed wrap what would that outfit be there's brands that I've always wanted to buy but haven't bought because even with the the amazing discount that you get at some of our, our favourite brands is it Rick Owens still... in the all black no <laughs> it was going to be Prada as yeah we have a really good relationship with some of the other retailers that have it and I just think it it's just always so slick right yeah and yeah I've never quite found other than I bought a pro no I got Prada hat um, for, for a birthday Sick. it was a bucket hat and I just looked like a fucking idiot um, <laughs> there's a picture of me and, and Charlotte in Paris that was taken and you know when it's like oh I'm wearing a risky hat I think there's a meeting because you're on holiday it. yeah so I wore a risky hat on holiday this picture was taken and I was like I look like a blank 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 but, <laughs> a pillock um, yeah a pillock that's a good word so I'm always like I want these brands and I, I put them on and I, I can just never pull them off yeah so I like to stay quite like like basic I think so I'll probably be embalmed in um, it's definitely like a pair of New Balances I wear them pretty much almost every day or every other day and then just like black our legacy draped trousers long sleeve black t-shirts I actually love the work shop um Stussy which um it now seems everyone's kind of akin to um, <laughs> I sort of I discovered all, all these brands that it's sort of mortifying to say so but I joined Idle Man I've never heard of Acne never heard of Our Legacy <laughs> never heard of any of these brands and I'd be like oh um so what are you wearing uh today <laughs> to all these friends and like slowly basically morphed into this kind of amalgamation of everyone else's fashion sets <laughs> in the office so now I feel I can talk a little bit more authentically about yeah. it but, so yeah I, I I really like Our, our Legacy Workshop collabs with Stussy I like my sort of silver chain I think just simple black stuff and then if I could, in a dream ambition, a black Prada puffer that has the little linear rosso, which I probably pronounced wrong, red stripe on it. Sick. The Prada Sport. Anyway, I guess <laughs> this, way is to end it. <laughs> this is it for the main part of the pod. We shall carry this on. We have the quick fire round. We have the bonus. Nice. Well, the bonus questions are the quick fire round. We have the audience questions. Shall we take it over there? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. Thank yeah. you very much for listening. It's been a pleasure and honour. Pint and Howdy the Charlie. And yeah, let's let's go buy some more Heckles product. Let's let's if they're there, if they're available. If they're in stock. <laughs> let's link and build some crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Thanks.